this abhorrent radical group understands quite clearly. It's the Catholic Church, it's the Catholic Mass, it's Jesus, his Blessed Mother. That's the, they consider to be the real enemy. And why on earth would the Dodgers honor this group? <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome back to the Loopcast, Catholic Vote's weekly rundown of all things faith, culture, and politics. And I wish I could tell you this was a normal episode, but a line has been crossed. And if you've seen us in the news, there's a reason for that. So there's a group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. They are just about the most blasphemous and direct attack on the Catholic faith as I've ever seen. And they have been uh, invited by the Dodgers to uh, receive an award at Pride Night. And that is the start of this story. It continued to get crazier and crazier, but that is the start. Erica, can you just take us back to the beginning? What happened with the Dodgers? Right. So for anyone who missed it at this point, it was actually Catholic Vote. I'm pretty proud. Go Catholic Vote for breaking the story uh, that the L.A. Dodgers were giving this award to this anti-Catholic hate group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. The name alone kind of gives it away. Um, This group of fake sisters at the June Pride Night. And last week... Thousands of you all, listeners, you flooded the lines, you filled the email boxes, voicemail, everything was, I was on hold for 25 minutes at one point when I was trying to ascertain if the lines were correct. So, so shout out to all of you. And within, within a day, they were, they pulled the award. So they disinvited the sisters and their, their initial uh, announcement read like this. I'm going to quote, Given the strong feelings of people who have been offended by the sisters' inclusion in our evening, and in an effort not to distract from the great benefits that we have seen over the years of Pride Night, we are deciding to remove them from this year's group of honorees. Sadly, that was not the end of the story. Late Monday night, the Dodgers issue a groveling apology to the so-called sisters, and here's what they said, quote, We have asked the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to take their place on the field. We are pleased to share that they have agreed to receive the gratitude of our collective communities for the life-saving work that they have done tirelessly for decades. In the weeks ahead, we will continue to work with our LGBTQ plus uh, divided by minus partners to better educate ourselves, find ways to strengthen the ties that bind and use our platform to support all of our fans who make up the diversity of Dodgers family. End quote. I would like to add that not to support fans who make up the Catholic end of diversity at Dodgers Stadium, obviously. So as things stand now, the sisters are getting the award. The left is going like bonkers. Oh, huge win for us. And Catholics and Christians all over the country are pretty upset. And rightfully so. Could we get a quick rundown on maybe some of the highlights of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? Because the name might sound cute to some people, but I've never been more mad looking at material from an organization. Yeah, well, this is a case of we watched the footage so you don't have to because, I yes, I spent probably an hour and a half yesterday going through footage and photos and statements from the Sisters. I mean, we've got everything from fake masses mocking Christ. Um, I don't even want to say they'll, they'll, it's just really nasty. I mean, it's nasty sexualized stuff. And 
we, you know, Erica and, and the team, writing team, put together a really good article explaining everything. So if you want to watch it, the photos of what these guys do and descriptions of what they're doing, we have it at Catholic Vote, but we're not going to assault your ears right now yeah. with just most heinous descriptions. It's, it's, it makes you, it really does make you want to vomit. Yeah. And, you know, it all started, you know, back in like, what, 1978, where these three gay men in San Francisco d decided to dress up as nuns in a mocking sexual way and the, it, nude. Uh, and they walk to the beach and everyone's just catcalling them and, oh, this is so funny. And, and it took off from there. And so like, they like to, they like to pretend they're a charity, but it really has its start and it's real animus and driving force is to make fun of Catholicism. They, you see the, the, the rainbow mafia understands that Catholicism is the one organized religion that is most questioning and opposed to the radical sexual revolution in all of its forms. And, you know, sometimes the church hasn't been as strong as it should have been in pushing back against the sexual revolution in all its pride in every way. Um, but, uh, you know, this abhorrent radical group understands quite clearly it's the Catholic church, it's the Catholic mass, it's Jesus his blessed mother, that's the, they consider to be the real enemy. And why on earth would the Dodgers honor this group? I mean, the fact is lots of baseball teams have pride nights and they give awards to left-wing radical, you know, gay groups or whatever. But the fact that you would single out this one, which is intentionally poking, you know, fun of it and poking us in the eye, it's truly blasphemous that you would do this. It's, it's truly unbelievable, and I just think, you know, I, I do think about the fact that, there, you know, I do think that God is listening. I do think God's paying attention, and, and so I, it, someone made the comment, you know, the other day here saying, you had this, uh, we talked about it here before, the, the, the wonderful uh, religious sister in Missouri who was uh, the head of her order, she was so holy that after they exhume her body and they find out she's incorrupt. So this guy made this amazing comment. I think I want to share it. It's so great. He said, isn't it incredible that almost at the exact same time that the LA Dodgers announced they would host the cross-dressing Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a group of freaks who mock and dress as nuns, that God will have the body of an incorrupt nun be unearthed, a sign to those with eyes to see that he is there and he will not be mocked. Miracles still occur. Evil will be destroyed. Pick your side. So I thought that was the perfect thing. I mean, and, and we are offended on behalf of our Lord and on behalf of our lady and on behalf of all the women who have given up a life of service to help the poor to help educate people, to help the people in hospitals, what are all the different things that religious sisters do? Um, you know, that's why I think Catholics have responded so strongly to this. They realize they know uh, religious sisters. I think of my great aunt, and I'm like, it, it just makes me so angry that they would make fun well, of, Josh, the, not, uh, of religious sisters. Well, Josh, not all sisters. Catholics have responded. Uh, there's been some notable silences uh, from certain celebrity priests, of course, but then there are people within the church. Well, no, actually, it's worth saying that, uh, that celebrity priests. So we have Father James Martin is the probably the most prominent 
Catholic priest with, you know, you've got Father James Martin and, and Father Matthew Schmitz. He is very popular with the podcast and I love what he's doing. And uh, the contrast to that is Father James Martin, very popular too on, he's got a legion of fans on social media and he always uses the opportunity to talk about rainbow issues, LGBT, all this stuff. He's talking about the trans stuff. He's always talking about this stuff, right? And so when something massively comes up in the news, you know, how this radical rainbow group is, is mocking Catholics, we hear dead silence from Father James Martin. Radio silence. Now, isn't that interesting? This isn't, I think it's worth noting too, like this isn't some radical rainbow group that just happened to this time pick on Catholics. Their entire existence is anti-Catholicism. They explicitly are anti-Catholic. So if you support this group, if you support this group, you are anti-Catholic. And, and what's tough about this is, and why I feel like Catholics get walked all over a lot of times, there's people within our own church that are sharing things. Uh, not to, uh, Actually, I want to highlight because it's completely shameful and unacceptable. We have Brian Fraga, journalist at NCR, uh, their their shtick national is Catholic the, reporter, na- not national, national communist reporter. Yeah, uh, he shared a op-ed from the L.A. Times from someone who also claims to be Catholic, who wrote a scathing, uh, scathing op-ed, calling the title of it was "Dodgers shouldn't side with homophobic Catholics." Okay, so these right. are two Catholics who are a part of promoting this article, and it's not just that Brian shared the article. It's not just that he shared it. He said, it, this article takes to task right-wing Catholics. I mean, look, I get it. I get it. Social media has amplified this sort of tribal notion of this team and that team or whatever. I would think, you know, there's disputes about, like, climate change, and liberal Catholics tend to su- support the Democrats and Biden on this one, and more conservative Catholics tend to be a little bit more skeptical of this. I understand some of this stuff. I get that. However... This is a group making fun of nuns, right. profaning the you this know Jesus be a tribal and issue. His Blessed Mother. No, this is your Catholic or not? I mean, Catholic. honest to God, this is—I mean this truly, honestly. This is one of those times where you say you bite your lip and say, "Boy, I might not like the other side, but they're right on this one." You know, bite your lip, Brian. Deal with it. Don't side with this stuff. Seriously, it's disgusting. Yeah, and I just wanted to point out too that. Brian Fraga and the National Catholic Reporter and Father James Martin, they have been, excuse me, they've been all over this um, HOPE conference by Patrick Coffin, the HOPE is Fuel conference. And one of the reasons they have been so hypercritical of this gathering that has, it's caused a lot of controversy within the Catholic world of, do I participate? Do I watch it? You know, prominent speakers like Janet Smith have pulled out of it. But Brian Fraga has been all over that because they invited a speaker, E. Michael Jones, who is, a, who is known for his anti-Semitic comments. So National Catholic Reporter, American Magazine, they have been calling out anti-Semitism up and down the wazoo for the last three weeks. But when it comes to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, who are even more, I would say, virulently anti-Catholic, attacking nuns, I, I mean, the the double standard here. How could, how could one be wrong and not exactly. the other? Exactly. Right. So, like, let's have some consistency here, Ryan Fraga, and call out both instead of sharing this op-ed uncritically. And, yeah, taking to task right-wing Catholics. Can I, I, I'd like to, if we could get back to the op-ed, there's a line in there that really, I think, uh, was revealing. So there's a direct quote. Sure, their performances can be out there, but that's what drag is. 
and they play to the crowd in front of them, whether it's adults or kids. Besides, laughing at how nuns dress or satirizing Catholic rituals is time-honored tradition in American humor. Just ask anyone who attended parochial school. Now, I want to put in perspective. I want to put in perspective. This group has a competition called Hunky Jesus. All of their names are disgusting, perverted, sex act-related names for sisters. They, uh, They actually just tricked a priest in the 2000s to give them communion. So that they could desecrate it. These people are the worst of the worst. Disgusting. And there's no way you could defend that as any type of humor. And doing this in front of kids. I mean, we have men who are like basically naked pretending to be Jesus in front of kids as if this is some kind of harmless and as if this is some type of harmless whatever. Now, here's like, I guess my point, like this is I, I understand what you're saying. I just want to come back to Father James Martin, though, because here's the point. Like he's somebody who's trying to say. I want to help the Catholic Church understand, you know, what's going on with the LGBT, you know, that his good faith arguments, right? Supposedly good faith arguments. He's like, I just want the Catholic Church to understand and listen to what's going on. Well, okay. So you're like this, you're supposedly this great ambassador for Catholicism to all things LGBT, right? And yet you can't tell them that, you know, you're apparently friends with all these LGBTs. You can't tell them, hey, look, buddy, this is a line too far. You can't desecrate the religion you know if you want you know so again is he a good faith ambassador or is he just a chaplain for the sexual revolution it's obvious but that's the thing it's obvious what he is i don't think we need to dunk on james martin but there's players on the dodgers that have bible quotes in their bios right there's plenty of catholics around the league there's catholics in the dodgers organization i'm just sick of people letting like this is the most obvious instance of anti-catholic hate i've seen in the past few years and we can't get people to send out a like a baseline tweet essentially saying, hey, this is unacceptable. I don't want to represent an well, organization that would honor this. It's anti-Catholic. It's been a few days. It's been a few days. I would l- welcome employees uh, from the Dodgers, um, including the athletes. Probably the athletes have the most power Clayton uh, Kershaw. to say something about Clayton it. Clayton Kershaw, good friends with Vin Scully, uh, Bible quote in his bio. The thing is, this decision has gone back and forth a few times, so maybe some of these athletes are waiting to see if it settles down again the other way. I can't believe that the Dodgers would flip again, so I think it's pretty much set in stone. And so we've got a few weeks until this event happens, and as we get closer to it, the pressure is going to increase. And that's why we want to do our campaign. We want to put our campaign out there, let people know, and show what's going on, because most people probably have no clue, no idea, uh, just how vulgar and blasphemous and intentionally mocking of Catholics and and religious sisters that this group is, and so we're just we're gonna let people know we're gonna show them. Hey, that you like the Dodgers, this is who they support. Right. And we're so let people we've know had a lot it. of uh, back and forth online. We've we've had a lot of people attack Catholic voters and organization, attack employees, and the first attack. And I think this is worth us addressing. Uh, there was a report that came out in Illinois saying that there was uh, child abuse that went much much farther than the church actually reported. I think it's really important for us to say that any priest that did this, harbored this, hid this, uh, they're going to receive a, a heavy judgment at, at the end, and and they absolutely should. No one is no one is excusing this. I'm not excusing. It's disgusting. It makes me sad. These people should be in jail. Bottom line. I mean that that's all I have to say about it. I 
I went to, I was baptized at a church where there was a molester. And then my family left that church. They didn't know. Uh, and we went to another church, and that church had a molester. You could, the Archdiocese of Minneapolis in the 70s and early 80s was, was horrible. And uh, I just couldn't believe, you know, like to me, it's just this is an abomination um, of the highest order. And, you know, I remember I was working for the National Catholic Register, and I'm proud of the newspaper today. It's owned by EWTN. But when I was writing for them in the late 1990s and early 2000s, it was owned by the Legion of Christ. And I remember reading up on the allegations about Father Maciel, and I thought that they were credible enough that I stopped writing for the newspaper because of it. I didn't want to be associated with it. And, um, uh, you know, and then the stuff came out with, you know, obviously we all heard about the stuff from Boston and, you know, the, that, the, the, that wave of horrible news. And I got to tell you, I've been involved in politics for, you know, Catholic vote for well over 18 years now. And anytime we, I, you know, there's a discussion about immigration, uh, tax cuts, you know, whether or not we should do welfare, anything, this argument comes up and, and it's used as a way to really kind of silence things like, oh, well, what are, you know, Catholic vote, why don't you stop diddling boys and stuff like this? It's like, I mean, it frustrates me to know one that's just used as a way to silence debate. The fact is, you know, uh, a lot of Catholics are against the, uh, the, against the death penalty. Uh, Catholic vote is against the death penalty. I personally am uh, not opposed to it. And I've said publicly, if a priest caught molesting a child, I'd give him the death penalty. That would be, that's my call. That's my thing. Pe people have disagreed with it. But this idea that, oh, well, you're Catholic, you're, you don't condemn sex abuse enough. Therefore, it's a way to silence us about talking about the sexual revolution. And it's like, give me a break. Like, the whole point of this was that the church had let go of its standards on everything. And there was a, a part in our church for many, many generations where we were, ju were just way too clerical. That's actually one way in which Pope Francis is right. Uh, I definitely agree with him. Uh, th this idea that, you know, you just don't say that about Father. You just don't say, you don't question, you don't criticize. Look, I respect my, 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 my biological dad, my, my father, and I also respect every priest as a father. I, I give them great ref re uh, respect and reverence and, and dignity, but that doesn't mean I will not attack them if they're doing something completely illegal or immoral. I mean, I don't understand this. And I remember this, like, I mean, it's just so funny to me. I think this, the church in the United States for too many generations was just way too deferential. And the idea was, oh, you don't want to attack the church. You don't want to do anything that would make it look bad. It's like, let me tell you something. If you don't stamp out evil and if you don't throw, you know, throw them to get them out of there, the people who are uh, predators, then that's the real damage to the church. I think we all understand yeah. that now. I think that lesson finally, you know, clicked for a lot of people. And I just think today that argument is used just to, oh, oh, shut up. I don't want to hear from yeah. you Catholics. Yeah. And I would you just know. encourage anyone who's hearing this maybe at work or even in your parishes that, oh, you can't object to the Dodgers because the church has had. And just to just to call that out and not accept the premise. Right. We're going to call out evil wherever we find it. We're called to speak the truth whenever we are, you know, given a platform to defend the truth and to speak in love and charity. But we're going to call out evil when we see 
priests and bishops performing evil. We're going to call out evil when we see these sisters mocking, so-called sisters mocking Catholic rituals and the Eucharist and Jesus Christ. And, you know, don't let anyone tell you that because you're Catholic and people who were Catholic did really evil, horrible things, you're not allowed to speak the truth and proclaim the truth. That's just, it's a false premise. And none of us should should accept it in conversation or online or wherever we are speaking. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's still our responsibility. It's a good lesson. Right? It's a good lesson in rhetoric too, because mm-hmm. it's just people trying to change. Uh, they're trying to get off and make you have to defend something, put you on the defense. It's like we have the ultimate thing right here that is indefensible. If you go find video, if you go find pictures, there's no way to defend it. I would love to put more Catholics' feet to the fire on this because I think that's why. Catholics get uh, ran over and get rolled over is because their own their own people, their own members can't even see this and come together and defend against it and make people make it hurt. If you saw, you know, the Muhammad dressed up in drag and highly sexualized. It wouldn't happen. And and, and someone who is well, of course it wouldn't. But if someone who is Muslim objected to it, you'd say, well, hey, wait a minute. You can't object to that because of 9-11. Because some people in, in the name of your faith did horrible and immoral things. Therefore, you have no right to object to anything that offends you that's totally blasphemous. Like, um, no, that's a false argument. I'm not going to allow it. I'm going to defend. I'm going to defend our Lord. I'm going to defend Our Lady, but especially going to defend these you know, women who have given their lives in service to the church. Right. And I would just say, too, like our generation, we remember the early 2000s after 9-11 our whole culture bending over backwards to insist that this is not all Muslims. These hijackers were not representative of the Muslim faith, like bending over backwards to make sure that people could make that distinction. Whereas now when we see something like, you know, the sisters of perpetual indulgence doing, you know, pole dances on the cross, then there's no distinction made between Catholics who have done horrible things and Catholics who just want to live their lives and practice their religious freedom without being mocked and ridiculed out in public. And a lot of people have made the analogy that, look, if you if you saw, like you mentioned, Josh, a man dressed as Muhammad with other men dressed as his 100 virgins or whatever, mocking the, the Islamic faith, or if you saw men dressed up even in, you know, Jewish garb, but doing sexual dances, not only Jews and not only Muslims would be protesting this, but our entire civilization would be up in arms, the liberal media would be like anti-Semitism, anti-Islam, uh, Islamophobia, right? I don't know. Maybe you have to you have to remember though that uh, rainbow cult is the official state religion right now. So maybe they'd get away with it. I was gonna say if they if they did blackface, it'd be over. That's all I have to say. You know, you go to you you go to Islamic countries and you see you know, symbols of the, of the Islamic faith all over the place on buildings, on, on the street signs and everywhere. Just like we're seeing the rainbow flag painted on streets, uh, in the United States today. It's, it's our state religion right now. Yeah, it truly is. Well, it's, it's, it's the anti-religion. Yeah. And, and it just feels like we're getting crushed by the wave of rainbow. Even we're not even in June yet, uh, which is sacred heart month. I'm not going to concede pride month yet reclaim it. It feels like that's been really crushing us. However, someone brought up a good point. And, and, I, and I want to think about this because, yes, it's frustrating that the Dodgers are giving this award to this anti-Catholic group. However, the fact that there's been so much of a firestorm over this, so much of a firestorm over Bud Light, so much of a firestorm over Target, it feels like 
we're really in the fight now. Feels like there's we're taking swings. We're we're an enemy that should be reckoned with now. It feels like a line has been crossed. And so I thought it'd be good and a good opportunity to bring up some real wins here. I think that um, from legislation to uh, culture to grassroots, we've seen real impacts. It's important for us to remember not to just get depressed in this, but hey, we're in the fight and we're actually we're we're trading blows. And I think that's important to bring up. So first, I have. Uh, legislative wise, we have 22 states have protected women's sports. So only biological men and biological women competing in their own divisions. 19 states have passed bans against uh, child sex changes, child mutilation. I'm I'm not even really going to concede gender affirming care. Six states have banned porn for minors online. And I think that's just growing as well. Those are huge proactive legislative wins. and, And that's not something I feel like we've been used to as Americans in the last 10 years. Josh, do you have any perspective yeah, on that. So here's the important thing to realize. So like if you look at the if you look at the history of abortion, right? There was the case where they got it passed in a few states in the late 60s and up until early 1970s, so they got it in New York and they got it in California. They legalized abortion in Colorado and I think Washington state. Those were the first four. And then they were mobilizing for other states like Pennsylvania. They thought they had it. They're going to legalize abortion there. This is like in 70, right around there. And then uh, Catholics rallied and other pro-lifers rallied and it, the momentum was stopped. And so the pro boards like, ah, because they suffered some setbacks, some defeats. They're like, I got it. We'll just have the Supreme Court wipe it away for us. And so... This is why I talk about how the courts are so big. And, you know, the 2024 election is going to be extremely important, just like, you know, all elections were. But I still kind of go back to, I still kind of think the 2016 election was the most important of our lifetime. Because when you see 22 states protecting women's sports, as you say, 19 states protecting kids from mutilation, we're gaining ground and we're doing all these things. This is right about the time a liberal court would come in and swoop by if the court were run by five liberals and say, no, 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 you can't do that because of 14th Amendment, blah, 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 equal protection or some, whatever reason they come up with, they wouldn't care. They would stop it dead in its tracks and suddenly you would have 50 states having child mutilation, 50 states saying, no, we're not going to protect women's sports and you can't ban pornography for kids under 18. It would have been horrible. So these gains are so awesome on on their own, but it's worth remembering these, these could have been wiped away with a, a single pen. It, because, of course, Justice Scalia died, unfortunately, in 2016. And if he would have been replaced with the fifth liberal at that point, it would have been lights out. Not only did we not overturn what we weighed, but all, all the other horrible stuff. So it's just, I think, very important to remember that that was just not that, not that long ago. And, of course, you know now Clarence Thomas, he's awesome, uh, and Samuel Alito, they're both actually getting older. So it's like, you know, we want to make sure that they're not replaced by, you know, like the last justice, of course, that was put on the court. She doesn't even know what a woman is. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> but I want to give a shout out to, as you say, those those wins. Terry Schilling made that point. I thought that was pretty funny. And I give a lot of, I think he's got a lot of moxie. Terry, he's head of the American Principles Project. His organization just issued a travel advisory. You know, the liberals do this all the time. Like NAACP is like, don't go to Florida because, you know, um, or some reason they're not freedom or something. It's just a bunch of baloney. But like, he actually makes a good point. Like, 
because of the, you know, the so-called sanctuary laws on trans stuff, like if you travel to California, Minnesota, it could be the kind of situation where the state will say, no, we're going to take over the, the you know, control of your child. They don't, re they don't respect the rights of parents. And uh, so, <laughs> honestly, I, I love the moxie of issuing a travel advisory. So I'm giving a second shout out in a row to the APP. Go for it, Terry. You're doing a good job. Yeah, it was cool seeing in Nebraska, too. Nebraska just passed a, a law preventing uh, trans surgeries on minors and then also uh, abortion up to a certain point. And uh, Yeah, but here, do you, do you know the story behind the story of this? So this are you talking funny. about the... It should have been passed months ago. It took forever. And that's because this one state senator, Michaela Kavanaugh, she's been filibustering it all. So the, Nebraska likes to be, we're different. You know, this is, this is, this is Midwest, like avant-garde, like, well, we don't have two houses of the legislature. We only have one. <laughs> and they also have filibusters like, oh, wow, you're so reckless and dangerous. <laughs> I love you. So she's been just stop, uh, trying to stop every single piece of legislation uh, because she wanted to, she wanted to make sure that children could get mutilated under age of, under under the age of eighteen. And she's Catholic. Yep, Catholic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the National Communist Catholic Reporter, NCCR, um, they they ran this glowing article about how she's you know she's Catholic and she's fighting for this. Isn't she wonderful? And and uh, so other states were able to pass this much quicker. Uh, and, and do you want, do you want me to reenact her filibuster? Oh my God. It was, it was really... Oh, you should show the clip. It's horrible. <laughs> I mean, she's so crazy. Yeah, I'll run the clip. Like it's, it's an incantation. <laughs> it's like, it's not even an argument. Trans people, trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Yeah. Yeah, my best, uh, my best invitation. Trans lives matter. Trans lives. I mean, it was like the most unbelievable infantile outburst I've ever seen, but um, she really put it all on the line there. Uh, yeah, I, I, it was unbelievable. Yeah, the really. Thing model, is she model thinks senator. she's doing a service. Civic she discourse. She's, no. This just. Oh yeah, I mean you're you're railing against the man. No, dude, you are in favor of the <laughs> regime. The regime totally wants to make millions and billions of dollars mutilating our children. Uh, like you're not. For the Are you talking guy. about the machine You're crushing the little is guy? It, is it time to dive into Target here? Who I, I oh, feel yeah. like is not getting enough heat. So oh my god! Go so uh, Erica, did, oh, what's going on at Target? <laughs> what 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 have they been cooking up? What is going on at Target? Well, Target's long been known among my mom friend circles, I think nationally, for um, being you know the big box store that's really on the cutting edge of the LGBTQ plus divided by movement. And uh, Target, of course, this year is when you mean Target. Target yeah. went all out and You're so much better than your <laughs> normal <laughs> plebeian Walmart. <laughs> um, Target, yes. wait, wait. forget Walmart. Well, I'm a, I'm a Walmart girl. Have to admit, I've I abandoned Good. Target long ago because of this reason. So this year they they kind of went all out, well ahead of Pride Month. We're talking like early May. They roll out their tuck friendly bathing suits for adults and children. And their baby pride onesies. So help help people out. What do you mean? What do you mean by tuck friendly? Um, oh, well, it is exactly what it sounds like. So imagine you are a male, and you want to appear female while wearing a tight bathing suit. 
you could. But you still exist biologically you, as a male guy. That's, that's kind of like it, a yeah. corset for the male appendage, if you know that's what I mean. That's a great way of Am putting I, it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now that we've established that, Josh, are you set? We can move. <laughs> I I'm going to get in trouble again. I mean, for... just you say things so fast, though. It's like talk friendly. Wait, wait, what? What? Well, yeah, I kind of. We're not talking about talking your shirt in yeah. here, people. Mm -hmm. We're talking about something yeah. else here. Yeah, you okay? can psychoanalyze why I did that um, later on. In they the show, uh, if we want. they have a lot of chat. They sell chest binders as well. So chest it's binders, like the same for female, tuck friendly bathing suits. So people yeah. encouraging, but specifically for minors, for children, for minors. Right, this is in the kids section. You walk in, it's right there. Um, and so Target not only did this this year, but they kind of went to the farthest extreme they hired a professed satanist to design specific pride line uh for their june rollout and her designs include this uh t-shirt with the satan goat head on it that says satan respects pronouns now i'm not going to go into the theological implications Which he, of this he does, satan can't actually respect or love anything wow. but i mean just just totally you know out there so, of course, there's been pushback and and moms around the country, because we do a lot of the shopping, right, statistically. Women around the country are calling out, including Lila Rose, Alyssa Walsh. We are we are just saying no to Target. So, moms, let's show the guys. The guys were good with the Bud Light stitch. Like, they, they got that under control. It's time for us to step up and say no to Target. And so we're working on... Um, all kinds of resources for you to to divest yourself of your target habit, your target habit. It's going to be a little tough for some of us, but we really got to just stop stop supporting this. Where's the this line? line? It's terrible. Where's the line? I, I it's so annoying. The whole argument that they're like, you can't boycott everything. This is different than Bud Light because there's not alternatives. Yes, there are alternatives, and this is my line. I'm. It, it's kind of it's the same thing with like when Catholics criticize something like, well, you house pedophiles, and it's like. That's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about a Satanist designing a line for Target, and we're talking about for children, for children, right. and for children to to alter their appearance to appear as a different gender. And that's not far enough for you to say, "Hey, I'm going to head over to Walmart. I'm going to head over to Meyer." Like it's it's right. there are alternatives, and it's not and people saying Walmart's make it perfect. Hurt. Right, no. I get this all the time. Well, well, Walmart, you know, sells lines that are made in China. With it's like, it's like no. There's if there if you have two bad options and one of them's clearly the greater of the evils, you got to walk away at some point, ladies. Like nobody needs Target to have a full, happy life. So walking away now. You know what? And Chip and Joanna, Christians, they should definitely pull their line. If they, I don't know the legal yeah. stuff on that, but that would be a great way to. And they could totally do stuff on their own. They have plenty mm -hmm. of money. I mean, they're very successful entrepreneurs. Where's the line for them? I don't know. If you're really right. Christian, I'd love to see something from them. Come on, people, step up. Josh, I know you're about to come. Now we know what target means. Yeah. <laughs> the bullseyes on the back of our children. <laughs> yep. So sadly, so. Um, but yeah, I just want I want everyone to be encouraged. Like we actually have a lot of real power. We're 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 really out here right now, legislatively, proactively, grassroots, mm -hmm. culture wise. It feels like there's been a lot of wins. So I want to call attention to that. Well, and people talk a big game too. They're like, I want to do whatever it takes for Jesus. I'm going to sacrifice. Like, uh, oh, but I don't want to go to this store <laughs> instead of that one. But I like Target's oh, dollar I mean, really? buckets. I just love to have some of the martyrs of the church just come in and enter the chat. Like, <laughs> really, brah? Really? Yeah. St. Lawrence, he's just like got skin all burned right. up. He's got like, grilled. Oh, you got to go to you got to go to Walmart instead of Target. Boy, that's tough. <laughs> I mean, I was put on a rotisserie stick and spun over. Turn me over. I'm yeah, done go on ahead, that side. You know? yeah. Sebastian's got arrows coming out. Like, yeah, gosh. 
It's so much more classy to go to Target. I, I see your dilemma. Yeah. That is so tough. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Give me a break. Steven, he's like carrying stones. Like, wait, what'd you say? Yeah. yeah. No, I think it, it is for easy to forget how for a couple hundred years in the beginning of the church, there's a lot of blood that was spilled that paved the way for the rest of us. Yeah, and to shop at Target. To so not to shop at Target. So we could have the freedom not to shop at Target. Correct. Yeah, and we were talking about this, Tom, yesterday. We were talking about how um, there's there. it feels like something has changed, that we don't we don't have to just sit around waiting to be sued, and then we're like, oh, well, we'll take it to the Supreme Court, right? You know, 2008, 2012, we're seeing, okay, we got to win at the Supreme Court after years of litigation, the sisters don't have to pay for contraception, or after years of litigation, the masterpiece cake shop guy can go make cakes. Oh, until he gets sued again. Well, let's actually do something proactive for a change and get out there and call out the Dodgers and put up ads. Let's, you know, pass these laws. Let's support legislation. Let's get on our school boards because we don't have to just sit around waiting to be attacked and go you know, through lawfare for seven years. Yeah, and that's a good point. I feel like the line that's been crossed is uh, is transing the kids, I think, because I previously so. I think that people were a little bit hesitant to talk against the Rainbow Mafia because they had the argument, well, it's just, you know, people want to love who they want to love. They're not hurting anyone. They're not hurting anyone. Now the harms have become abundantly clear. And I don't think that um, people that want to live a homosexual lifestyle have done a good enough job separating that. There are some that have separated that. But I think now it's like the movement, the far left movement has just adopted everything and anything and everything that falls under their umbrella. And so now people who maybe didn't even have any desire to be engaged have to be engaged. And I've heard people complain about that. Like, everything's political now. This is so annoying. And like, yeah, sure, I wish that we could go back to that. But that's not where we are. And, and in a way, it's a well, good thing. Well, and it's like the gay movement try to say, oh, we're, we just want a shield to protect us from being persecuted. But it's obvious that now they're a sword. They're going on offense. And, and you know, we're the ones they're after. Totally. They don't like religious expression. So Yeah, and then someone... I Prove was, this wrong. I was arguing with someone about the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. They're like, man, you are just really trying to find anything you can to make up persecution against Catholics. And I'm like, what world am I living in right now? This group right. explicitly exists to mock Catholics. If you can't see a problem with this, the conversation's over. Like, I'm not going to convince you for anything. They were, they were just saying, well, it's just clothes. Like, it's not a big deal. And I said, wait a second. Weren't you mad about a Christian not wearing a Pride Night hockey jersey? And you said that yeah. was enough to kick them <laughs> exactly. off the team and end their life? <laughs> Wake up. Wait a second. I thought you were pretty mad about that. So I, I, I don't think that goes both ways. So very frustrating. Yeah, seriously. Got crickets back on that one. But anyway, so we have some, uh, some political announcements as well. So we have Tim Scott. Uh, has entered the race. And we also have a very interesting announcement. So uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida has alluded to the fact that Elon Musk has said he will make a big announcement, quote unquote, on Twitter uh, to theoretically announce his uh, run. He's already changed his website to have it all black with a gator swimming in the water. It becomes clear that, you know, very dramatic, very, uh, his, uh, he had kind of a launch video and it felt very Christopher Nolan. Uh, which is is good. It sounds like it looks like he's got good people in his corner, and it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a challenge for sure to uh, really make a splash at this point. I think he has a lot of potential. But um, so, what do you think? I guess first with Tim Scott, is this going to be another one percent vote getter? And then with DeSantis, do you think he's making the right move announcing on Twitter? Well, Tim Scott, um, I think just like Mike Pence, will probably sit around five or six percent in the polls. 
for a very long time. And then as it gets closer and closer um, to actually voting in, in each of these different states, you know, if there isn't a spike at any time, then that just kind of fizzles out. And it, it really, I, I, I look forward to any other evidence to the contrary, but this is, a, I have long said, this is a two-man race between Trump and DeSantis. And the one thing that uh, in 2016, people said, oh, if, if Trump, it was Trump versus just one other person, then that other person might win. I'm not, I'm not so sure I actually agree with that back that now. I mean, I thought that in 2016, um, but I'm not so sure. Now, this time around, um, we'll, 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 you know, Tim Scott, Mike Pence, all these other candidates, Nikki Haley have the right to make their case. Uh, go ahead and we should we should be open ears, you know. Sometimes someone gets sometimes an unknown candidate catches lightning in a bottle, so it can happen. Um, I just don't think that's probably likely, but let's see. You know, why not? Let him he, make his case. I don't have anything to fear. Like, what what are we afraid of? Like, let all you know, may the best man or woman win. Whoever get, whoever wants to make it work. But you know, Tim Scott, uh, he's he's a pretty nice guy. Um, but I, again, some of the things he's done have kind of you know, raised an eyebrow or two. He was opposed to two different Trump nominees to the circuit court because one of them wrote a paper in college that was opposed to, you know, diversity stuff. And I, I, you know, like that doesn't mean that person was racist. They just, there's a lot of problems people have with a lot of this ESG kind of stuff and DEI stuff. So, uh, and then another nominee he was opposed to someone who supported voter ID laws. And it's like, (laughs) <laughs> I mean, not only do like 75% of Americans believe in voter ID laws, but like 95% of Republicans support that. So that was the reason you didn't like this Supreme Court, uh, this uh, circuit court nominee. So I think Tim's going to have to to respond to that. Which is um, really, which is really interesting because his announcement speech was sort of a Martin Luther King, you know, America's not a racist country. We're not defined by the color of our skin. We're defined by the content of our character. So, so. Republicans who are, you know, most Republicans are obviously white. Uh, Republicans have been bashed for being homophobic, racist, sexist, and all this kind of stuff for so long. And like the vast majority of us, like I'm Generation X, I'm 46 years old. You know, I've grown up in in a culture where it's like, you know, the furthest thing from racism, you know, and, and, you know, like I idolized athletes. Like I grew up, well, Kirby Puckett was my favorite baseball player. I mean, it's like, like, wait, that doesn't sound like a racist kid to me. Uh, it's just kind of funny. And like the, 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 actually we had a, you know, it, it was the case of the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, not that there were imperfections, but over time race relations were getting better. I've said this before, like the Gallup polls, you asked whites what they think of race relations. You think about what blacks think. And they both were trending upwards. And like, it was like from 1995 to 2005. I mean, it's just great. And then all of a sudden social media hits and it starts taking a nosedive. And people use social media. Racial arsonists used it to foment division. And, you know, Barack Obama deserves part of the blame. A lot of it. Um, you know, all this stuff with Michael Brown put up, you know, claiming that he put up Hands his up, hands and shot yeah. anyway, which was a lie. Um, you know, all these kind of things that people are doing just, and, and so you have to understand that for a lot of Republicans are like, dude, I'm totally not racist at all. What are you talking about? 
And so they want to try to show it like it's a natural inclination. Like not, I'm not racist, but after a while, you, you sort of have to understand like they're not being serious. The attacks on you are are, are lies. They're Marxist. It's a Marxist. They're disingenuous. Attack, yeah. They're bad faith arguments. So the more you say, uh, I'm not racist, it sounds like I don't beat my wife anymore. Yeah. It's just you got to stop it. Stop being defensive like this. But Tim Scott is playing into that because a lot of Republicans want to go, look, I'm not racist. I support Clarence Thomas. And I support Tim Scott. It's like, you know what you should do, Tim? You should say, this is baloney and don't lean into that. Just be a great candidate. Just focus on the issues. So that's what I would recommend him doing. Yeah, I think those are all good thoughts. Uh, but Erica, I'm going to have you start off the Twilight Zone here. What do you got for us this week? Well, it's pretty dark this week. So um, on Instagram, there was a, a young woman, probably in her early 20s, with her grandmother. And um, her grandmother is scheduled um, to die by, they call it euthanasia. It is injection, lethal injection um, in Canada. And this is under the um, medical aid in dying laws in Canada. And I wanted to point this out because watching it, it really was, we talk about lines being crossed in a positive way. Um, this was just, for me, iconic line being crossed in a very negative way that we've been talking for, for decades in the pro-life movement about assisted suicide, obviously abortion um, on the, the natality end of life, but then assisted suicide uh, as, one, as another huge threat to human dignity on the other end. And the reason this video was so disturbing was the girl is asking her grandmother questions about Oh, what's it really like to schedule your assisted suicide? And are you happy? And are, and and the whole thing is painted as this. Well, I've I've lived my life the way I want to, and I'm going to die the way I want to. And they ask me all these questions, and there's all these safeguards, and it's it's kind of like a a really bad how-to manual. And look at how happy my grandmother is. And and the, at the end, it's this is the last time I'll take her out to dinner because she's scheduled to die. And they're like, yay, and they're celebrating her life together. And it's just so sick and depraved and degenerate. Um, and so, you know, of course, it prompted me to go down the rabbit hole. And again, the slippery slope argument gets a lot of bad rap, uh, even among Catholic intellectuals. Well, that's a bad argument. But, but look at this, okay? So medical aid and dying in Canada, this, it only became legal in 2016. So we're talking seven years, right? This past year, or sorry, in 2021, which is the most recent stat we have, 3.3% of all deaths in Canada were due to medical aid and dying. That was up from 2.4% the previous year. That's a big spike in cause of death. Um, there were 1,018 deaths by assisted suicide in 2016, the year it became legal, and over 10,000 in 2021. And 99% of those deaths are by lethal injection, which is a procedure done on the person while they're unconscious. So first they're knocked out, that they're not conscious, they're immobile, they can't resist in any way, and then they're killed. Um, it's now the sixth highest leading cause of death in Canada. And it, I, I went and I read, I wanna, I'm going to put this in the show notes, but Plow Quarterly. Sixth highest? Sixth highest leading cause of death in Canada, medical aid and dying. And yeah, I wanted to just plug this this article that was in Plow Quarterly a couple of issues ago, but it's um, it actually goes into it. They interviewed uh, several people in Canada who really feel that they have no other option but to schedule 
their death because they're not getting support. They have some kind of diagnosis. They, they can't get support. They can't afford hospice in Canada. And so they're just like, my only option is to die. And the law is going to let me do it for free. So, you know, and it's a very disturbing article. I'm going to put it in. I'm going to put it in because it also Plow did a great job of calling out church leadership in Canada to say, where are the bishops? Where are the priests on this? I, I mean, totally. Call, so it's it's a wonderful article. It's actually kind of uplifting in the end because there's some some good conclusions. But that's my twilight zone. Death in Canada, slippery slope all the way down to the bottom already. It's just... I don't I can't remember if you saw or said this already, but it was a study done in Canada and it was about people who are homeless. And there, I yeah. think one in three, one in four Canadians saw MAID as a solution to homelessness. Like it'd be mm -hmm. okay for someone to get out of that right. homeless situation by literally killing themselves, like putting them themselves off. down. Is right. like, it's the old eradicate poverty by killing all the what? poor people. Right. So, the, I mean, that law just has so much potential for abuse. And, and there's even been like, I've seen like memes about it. I mean, they're really dark memes, but it's like, I get stitches. Like if I go somewhere in America, like it'll be $60,000. If I go somewhere in Europe, it'll be a 30, 30 month wait. And then if I go in Canada, like, Hey, have you considered killing yourself? Yeah. It's like, Whoa. I mean, it's a real serious. And, and as Catholics, it's like, mm -hmm. it goes back to Catholics having the, the rich tradition of the human, we're all equal in dignity. Nothing mm -hmm. that would harm your dignity is acceptable at a government level, at a personal level, anything like that. I mean, so it's really sad to see that happening in Canada. And also shout out to Peter Wolfgang. He's fighting yeah. stuff like this in Connecticut. It's not like this is just some, you know, off in the, the distance thing. There's real movements for this in America. Right. And Especially I in would, the deep blue states. Right. I would hate to see this become an option for people to just end their life because they feel like, you know, they can't do it any other way. So, yeah. I mean, can you imagine if California goes all out assisted suicide and they, yeah, I could. They get to the, then you're going to have California where you can kill your baby up until including the moment of death. You have California where children can be taken away from their parents at any point if they just say, hey, I think I'm trans and my mom said maybe I wasn't, then they lose custody of your child. And you have Canada where it's cheaper to die by made injections. I mean, I, it, so we're yeah, not even talking about in not... California. They have zones where it's just legal to do whatever drugs you want and they'll give you clean needles to inject yourself with heroin. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a form of killing yourself over time. It's like. What is California right now? We need to travel advisory. is a twilight zone. Tra travel advisory to California, man. Like, <laughs> that's what I said. Yeah. Not going there. Jeez. Um, yeah. Josh, I don't even know where we go from that one, but what do you have this week? I mean, this is, this would be the perfect news story. Perfect Catholic vote, loop cast, twilight zone story where you have a socialist Chicago city politician sending a letter to the Catholic Cardinal of Chicago requesting that he resume the traditional Latin Mass at the Shrine of Christ the King. Chef's like, kiss. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. Let me get this straight. <laughs> a socialist Chicago city politician, Alderman Jeanette Taylor, sends a letter to Cardinal Supich. And in the letter, she requests that the cardinal allow for the traditional Latin mass to be said at the shrine of Christ the King again. <laughs> which had been, see, Supich has stopped it back in August, you know, to appease uh, Pope Francis. He used, oh, perfect. This is great. Pope is talking about how bad the Latin mass is. I'll crack down on it. I'll stop the Latin mass. 
And who had, my friend Kevin Tierney said, who had this on their bingo card? <laughs> I mean, it's so crazy. Why, uh, why did she ask it to resume? I mean, this is the thing where you have to realize that this is why Catholics need to start fighting back more. Because you never know. Sometimes you get the craziest friends. Hashtag the allies. craziest allies. <laughs> now, would, would, would Alderman Taylor be on her side on anything else? Maybe not. But on this, she recognizes it. She says, since the summer, I have been deeply concerned by your administration's decision to suppress the Institute's ability to operate at the shrine. The Institute's an ever-growing congregation of shrine faithful have been an integral part of the 20th Ward since they first arrived at the uh, prior Cardinal's invitation in 2003. Now, she, she concedes, while many shrine faithful may not live in Woodlawn, we know that the shrine is their spiritual home, and we consider them a vital part of our community. Which is true. She, what she's saying is actually a true point. So she says, on behalf of my constituents, I'm asking your administration to restore confidence in the Shrine's restoration by allowing the Institute to operate according to the terms of your original agreement with them. I am hopeful that the Shrine's restoration may continue to flourish. I mean, <laughs> this, so perfect. this is like, this is the, I mean, this is Cardinal George from up above, I swear, <laughs> like making things happen. The, the, this it, is for awesome. those that don't know, the Institute of Christ the King, we've talked about him actually a few times in this program, but th their entire mission is behind restoring uh, historic cathedrals. So they mm -hmm. only have operations. Or churches. Or, not churches, cathedrals, oratories, right? yeah. uh, just very historic Catholic churches. And they only do the Latin Mass, traditional Latin Mass. So when uh, this was, the policy was changed by Cupich, uh, or is it, sorry, sorry Subich, right? Subich. Subich, Subich yeah. yeah. When it was changed by Subich, uh, they were essentially ran out of town. Mm -hmm. And so they were operating. They had an agreement. They were restoring this parish. Uh, when Supers decided, you're not doing that anymore, they had to actually flee to Indiana, I believe. They're right over the border, and they still are offering at the border. So people will travel to the border of Indiana because, I mean, my parents go to an institute church. The loyalty there is unbelievable because these canons are incredible. They offer a beautiful reverent mass. They're building these awesome communities, a lot of young kids. So... I think probably what this this uh, Democrat is talking about is uh, the restoration project, and they probably bring in people from all over the place. It's probably good for the community, from which I'd imagine. So right. Well, I think the letter right, specifically. Even if they don't all go, go ahead. Oh, sorry. The letter specifically says that they pa they patronize the local like coffee shops, the donut shop. Because I mean, people they come do. in from all over. They drive two hours. They go to mass, and then what do they do? They take their kids out for coffee and donuts. They take their kids to lunch. They go to the local area and like play in the park, and um, so it's it really and is economic. On as well. top of that, on top of that, the church itself is hiring people to help restore the place. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. Local businesses are going to be working on repairing the church and restoring it. So that's also good. So it's like, why would you be, a, be opposed to it? I mean, what's what's the rationale here? Like you're so, I I just find it amazing. Like. You're so against the diversity. It's not like we're saying every church has to be Latin Mass. And I don't even go to a Latin Mass. Like, people always say, why are you at the loop so <laughs> concerned about the Latin Mass? You promote it all the time. I don't even go, okay? I, it's nice, but I just feel like we shouldn't squash it like a bug. Like, what is going on? No, Josh is angling for a diversity officer Any of the, in the Catholic Church. Either. None of the three of us go, right? Erica, you don't go to a Latin Mass, right? No, no. I go to I don't very go to Reverend Novus Ordo, but it's Novus Ordo. Yeah, like I... Yeah, so it's not like it's our yeah, hobby. We're not like, we just don't think it should be squashed. Right. It's just like we see injustice. It's just obvious injustice. <laughs> right? So yeah, shout out to shout out to politicians, you know, advocating for the right kind of diversity there.
Uh, so my Twilight Zone uh, <laughs> has to do with diversity as well. This one came across the desk this morning. I had a different one, but this one takes the cake. So uh, Vanity Fair, another bastion of um, reporting. They wrote an article with the headline, Report. Ron DeSantis will formally announce his 2024 bid with Elon Musk because apparently David Duke wasn't available. And for those that don't know, David Duke is was the head of the KKK. So I'm going to read you the first paragraph. After many months of refusing to confirm what so many people already suspected, Ron DeSantis will reportedly announce on Wednesday that he is running for president. And that's not all. He is said to be planning to formally jump into the 2024 race during a conversation on Twitter with Elon Musk because apparently other neo-Nazi sympathizers weren't available. So, um... Did you catch what Elon Musk said? Did you catch said? that? <laughs> what, yeah. what, did, what did Elon say back to that? He says, looks like Babylon B has some competition for satire. <laughs> so, for those wondering, hey, why is Ron DeSantis going a non-traditional route and announcing his candidacy on Twitter? I think this article maybe is a good indicator of how he would be treated by mainstream media if he allowed them to ask the questions, Case determine point, the narratives. Vanity Fair. Yeah. It's, or maybe he could go on a CNN town hall because they let Trump do whatever he wanted pretty much. But um, I think uh, Glenn Youngkin actually had some good points about this. Someone who actually helped organize ca his campaign when he was announcing his run for governor. Uh, they went through traditional media and he said when they announced and he said it was like, they just got hit by hit hit piece questions, uh, low blows. He wasn't uh -huh. able to. They just made it all about Trump. They didn't let well, him the, talk yeah, about anything. The press conference. Every question. Every was about question Trump, was right. about Trump. It, it didn't allow him to actually put forth his vision for you know being governor for Virginia. And uh, there's some politicians doing a really good job of this, but I think DeSantis maybe some of the best. He has a great press secretary, former press secretary, I think, uh, Christina Peshaw. But they just refused to accept. Uh, like they actually don't even allow reporters to ask questions that uh, are just going to be hit piece. Like he doesn't give people un unfettered access to his team and to his media mm -hmm. because we, as he's observed, people aren't in the interest of asking genuine questions. All of this is bad faith and they just want to control narratives. So with places like Twitter and you've, you've had people have shown good faith, letting him talk about, you know, his vision for America and what he probably wants to run on. Uh, this is a real opportunity, I think, for politicians of the future to, like, legacy media is so toxic. They just don't, they're not in the interest of letting, getting information out to the public anymore. They just want to put their narrative on top of it. Clearly, we have people calling him David Duke, essentially. We have them calling right. Elon David well, Duke, it's essentially. It's no. unbelievable. The, the media like to think they're the vanguards and the protectors of the First Amendment. And, and if you're against them, you're against free speech. And they for, therefore, they should have some sort of extra special protection as opposed to other citizens. I mean, like, why can't anyone ask a question? I don't understand this. And so, you know, sh we should expect, I don't know, a should we expect ABC News, which is owned by Disney, to ask good questions that are fair <laughs> to Ron DeSantis, who took on Disney? Probably I mean, not. Like, these are the questions we deserve to ask. It's like, come on, give me a break. Like, you guys are full of it. Yeah. I'm excited to see how he runs his campaign. I know there's been a lot of questions because Trump obviously is magnetic when it comes to campaign events and taking on reporters. He was really good at that. And I think Ron DeSantis has shown signs of it, but seeing it on a national level will be interesting to see. Um, and, you know, Catholic guy. He's done a lot of great work in Florida. Um, obviously has to earn my vote. I'm not throwing in lots anywhere. Uh, we've been described on this program to be 
the DeSantis fan club by certain people have emailed in. I, I'm not necessarily saying that, uh, but I do like a lot of what I see there. And so it'll be an interesting Twitter space. But it's, impor it's important, though, to remember, though, like, you know, Newt Gingrich during the primaries, you know, back in 2012, and then obviously Trump in 16, more, you know, more and more of these candidates are starting to understand that, like, we can't even have a fair fight if we don't understand that it's the media themselves who are, who are absolutely tipping the scales. And so that's why I feel like if you want to have, why are we having reporters from left-wing outlets like NBC and ABC and CNN and MSNBC, why are they the moderators? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that'll be like, really interesting. Why don't you put it? Why don't you have mo you could have moderators that are conservative, right? Like Tucker from Breitbart <laughs> or Tucker or yeah, Tucker would be the great, Tucker moderator. Be great moderator, or Breitbart or even like maybe middle of the road like Fox News. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see um, how Twitter and Tucker and the Independent Daily Wire play into the Republican primary for that reason, right? I, I mean, Trump's already said he won't go on a debate with you know that's run by crazy left wing reporters, but he also won't really engage with Twitter right now. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out uh, as Ron enters the race. Really, I, I mean, it's interesting to see Trump react as the different people join the race. And Nikki Haley, he kind of like barked at her a little bit, but then went silent. And then we had, you know, Tim Scott. Trump was like, welcome to the race. Yeah. <laughs> best of luck to you. May the best man win. And then Ron DeSantis announces. And I mean, we just Meatball Ron. you can tell who Trump's worried about a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, things are things are definitely picking up steam here. 2024 came yeah. fast. Came fast, and here we go. So, uh, yeah, excited to see where that goes. Uh, so that takes to the end. But if you would like to listen to more Loopcast, I actually had the honor of speaking to uh, whistleblower Kyle Serafin. Uh, when you talk about true American, just a red-blooded, meat-eating American, uh, someone that really feels a strong connection to the oath he took uh, to serve the Constitution. This is the guy. So we talked a lot. I mean, we covered a lot of FBI topics. We talked about our lawsuit against the FBI that's still ongoing. We talked about uh, the Nashville school shooting, uh, what was going on there in terms of FBI. We talked about actual pra practical reconnaissance methods that would be done on Catholics. So really interesting interview. I mean, the guy is just like a machine gun. He can talk and talk. It's a talk, great so. interview. Yeah. yeah. Great interview. Go check it out. Um, as always, ways to help the program, leave a review. We, we got a lot of great reviews on our, our last episode, and it just really helps pop us up. Share with a friend. If you like the program, uh, share us around. We really appreciate that. Also, you can subscribe on our YouTube channel. Uh, we post these on YouTube. We post these anywhere you can get podcasts. So whatever is easiest for you, uh, we appreciate having you guys around. And um, if not, we'll see you on next Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. <laughs>